Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. 21 years of love and commitment is the sign of a great relationship by most standards, but 21 years of love and commitment separated by America's most violent maximum security prison while raising six boys as a single mom and relentlessly advocating against a system designed to keep her husband in prison can only be described as radical love. Sybil Fox and Robert Richardson are a New Orleans-based couple who endured 21 years as an incarcerated family and whose story is told in the acclaimed award-winning documentary, Time. Together, they have six sons and continue their advocacy for incarcerated families, and they are both here with me today. I am so honored to welcome Fox and Rob to the Make Life Matter podcast. Thank you for uh, having you, us, you. Angela. You know, that that opening, it just, when when we have these opportunities to share, uh, you just wouldn't think that after all of this time, when you hear your story recycled back to you, that it moves you. But every time I hear what God has brought us through, it I mean, my eyes swell up again. It's just, mm-hmm. just amazing when you just think about how good God is, no matter how many times you reflect on it, it is still moving. Mm-hmm. And that's, I love hearing that because this is a great love story. This is one of the great love stories I've ever heard in my life, but you're right. This is God's story. Ultimately, what a story of redemption, of resilience. I just watched your film, Oscar nominated film time. I know you have a brand new book we'll talk about in just a minute, but for some who are unfamiliar, can you share a bit of your story so that people even know context of what we're talking about today? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, collectively, uh, we're known as Fox and Rob, and uh, we are a formerly incarcerated couple who spent more than 21 years behind bars before um, receiving clemency in 2018 from our governor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Taking you back uh, much further than that, uh, 1987, we both met as a couple as high school sweethearts. Uh, Ten years after an on-again, off-again relationship, uh, we took each other's hand in marriage. just when we thought that everything was about to be fine, uh, six months into an amazing marriage uh, that uh, started with us buying our, our family's uh, first home, launching our first business. And uh, after facing some uh, financial difficulties, uh, six months into the marriage, uh, next thing we knew, we were um, facing uh, Louisiana's uh, criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And uh, by God, uh, never in a million years did we think that it would take uh, as much time as it took to uh, to overcome uh, that setback in life. But it took us 21 years and four days uh, to uh, to over. And uh, after uh, 24 years and four days, uh, finally, uh, our lives were restored. Um, 21 years. Well, 21 years 20, and four days. Mm-hmm. You say 24. Oh, 21 days and four years. Yeah. Either, either way, <laughs> wow. it's no. way too long. One years and four days. Uh, our family's uh, lives were finally um, uh, restored. We were reunited. Um, but that is definitely a broad stroke uh, in terms of uh, all of the uh, riveting details that uh, that took place um from horrific, um, you know, all the way to uh, ultimately uh, happiness. Um, uh, September Trying 20th, the day that I walked out of, um, mm-hmm you know, Louisiana's most bloodiest prison. Mm. 
And so I think probably some of the first lessons in that would be um, we were hosting a girlfriend a couple of weeks ago and we were sharing with her that after six months of marriage, we find ourselves in this system. And then she says, well, um, uh, wow, that must have been an incredible six months. And I, I just broke out laughing. I said, you know what? The, that six months, of, our first six months of marriage was so incredible that mm-hmm. it left me fighting the next 21 years to restore my family. Mm-hmm. Um, that I wanted to get back what God had given me and I was not going to stop until I restored it because I understood that it was with our own hands that we had ripped apart the bond that God had put together. But even though we were physically separated, um, love is the most divine chemical in the universe, Angela, and it dissolves everything that is not of itself. And so even the um, prison bars and the practical life sentence that they had given my husband, the time that I spent in prison um, away from our children, socially orphaning our children, none of that was enough to undo the bond that God had put together with Rob and I as husband and wife. That's incredibly inspiring because it's hard enough for marriages to stay together on a good day. And you both fought almost insurmountable odds. In fact, I was reading that according to research at Florida State University, each year of incarceration increases the odds that a marriage will end in divorce before or after the person gets out of prison by an average of 32%. So you beat the odds. Let's talk about this love that you both share, because that's really the name of your new book is focusing on love time, the untold story of the love that held us together when incarceration kept us apart. So this is remarkable. I, I, I want to talk about this love story, but I have to back up for a moment. You talked about 21 years and four days, but I have to be honest. There's a moment in the film that all three of us watching the room, my son said it out loud. You were sentenced to an, to an inordinate amount of, help me understand, maybe there is no way to understand. This is part of the broken system that we're talking about today. You were sentenced to... Uh, I, I don't want to misquote it, 60 years, but then there, you could extrapolate it out. It was in the 300 and something years. T- tell me about that. And how is that possible? We were facing 297 years in total. We had okay. three charges. Um, Rob was charged with armed robbery and two counts of jury tampering. Mm-hmm. And so it was um, at that six months of marriage when our lives are falling apart, the beautiful home we bought, we discovered that it has a cracked foundation and a, a bad leaking roof. Um, um, our business we had opened was we discovered in the wrong location, breaking every rule that mm-hmm. we know as it pertains to business. Our youngest son starts having seizures and has an un diagnosed ailment. Uh, I'm teaching college as an adjunct professor. They canceled the program. I mean, like all in the six months. And so we found ourselves desperate and we took our eyes off of, 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 of the giver of our help. And when we do that, we get discouraged and we get desperate. And so we thought we could take the money that we need. If we could just get our hands on this money, we could save our family. Um, Not taking time to recognize that as long as we had our family, we had everything that we needed to make it. Mm. And so 
um, getting into the system, we got desperate again and discovered that, wow, had this not happened to us, I never believed that the justice system wasn't just. I always thought that as a woman with a master's degree, I'm college educated. I come from a college educated family. I believe that people that when they went into our judicial system, they got whatever time they deserve, right? Because these people are fair and, and they're honest and they operate in integrity. And when our family landed in the system, it was everything um, reverse of what I had ever believed about the system. Um, and, and the truth of it is, is that it's not broken. It is intentionally functioning as it should, because this is about um, dehumanizing a group of people, uh, incarcerating or enslaving a, a group of people, because in our country, the only way that you can be a slave again, Angela, is, is uh, according to the 13th Amendment, is if you're convicted of a crime. And so uh, with that in mind, um, the bank robbery, it carried a time of five to 99 years at the time we committed the offense. Mm. And there is nothing but the judge's discretion. Uh, it's supposed to be based upon the mitigating facts. And the mitigating facts of our situation was that even though we harmed those people with the fear of just being violated in that process, nobody was beaten. Nobody needed medical treatment for what we did. No one shot. No one was yeah. shot except yeah. Rob was shot at after leaving out of the bank. But um, they, the $5,000 dollars that Rob had taken out of the bank, they immediately got back. Um, we were immediately willing to take full responsibility for our transgressions. We were both uh, college educated and you would think that uh, someone would say that these people are at least redeemable. Maybe just out of their minds, but they are redeemable. And we had children. Um, and so for us, it was um, so then as we're watching the system unfold, the um, jury tampering piece, and we talk about this in the book, was that it was our hope since we saw that the prosecutors, it wasn't just about trying to get justice. For some reason, they wanted to make the jurors believe we were like some heinous, uh, habitual people that didn't deserve life. And so we spoke to two of the jurors just trying to get them to see who we were. Yes. No threats, no nothing, but you're not supposed to talk to the jurors, right? Mm. And then we discover in that process that um, jury tampering, the, the amount of sentence that you're looking at for jury tampering is the same amount of time that the jury was convened for. So we were facing three five to 99 year sentences. Oh, oh. Because again, we did be still and trust God that he was going to bring us through this. And as they say, oh, what tangled webs we weave. Yes. And we had, oh, oh man, <laughs> we had weaved ourselves into some trouble, boy. Mm -hmm. And so it was when I was on suicide watch, uh, as we were arrested on the jury tampering charge, Rob was home on bond and going through trial. Um, they had put me on suicide watch because the jailer told the, um, the warden told the jailer that, um, She's in so much trouble. I think she's going to try to take her own life. Mm. Add that to the fact that Rob, I got pregnant when Rob was home on bond. And was like, this just keeps getting incredibly deeper and, and darker. And like, you know, that's when you really have to call out and say, oh, Lord, hear my cry. Yeah. Probably in those deepest, darkest moments where God does uh, the most magical uh, of his works. Yeah. yeah. Um, the greatest and, miracles. Exactly. Of the you know, so um, it was um, probably one of the things that uh, 
probably even uh, helped us throughout that process is because we both had come to the realization that this was bigger than us. Mm. Uh, this really had nothing to do with the offenses that we had committed. It had nothing to do with uh, the judge that presided over the matter or nothing of the sort. This was an opportunity for God to do what God is 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 historically known to do, wow. to perform miracles. And wow. our, family, our family's experiences are nothing uh, less than a miracle. A testament to yes. how good God is when we just trust the process mm. and the love. Mm-hmm. And um, love is our hope and our salvation. Mm-hmm. So and much, I- much as um, we would probably look and say that, you know, God had been with uh, Joseph when he was in prison, wrongly accused, uh, even with uh, as guilty as Paul was, you know, uh, yes. God performed uh, amazing miracles uh, through him. Uh, you know, and the list goes on and on and on, you know, with so many of the subjects that we see uh, when we turn the pages of the Bible and we see, you know, even, you know, people like Job as afflicted as he was, you know, mm-hmm. but God performed uh, yet again, uh, an amazing miracle. Uh, the thing is, is just that um, we have to trust the process, mm-hmm. uh, even though, you know, you are um, faced with um, insurmountable challenges. And even in those moments like Job, like even Jesus on the cross. Uh, you're forced to ask at times like, you know, God, uh, if there's a way that you can move this bitter cup, uh, Job and his, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. lament to, you know, basically say like, you know, man, what is this all about? Yeah. And, um, but God being God, you know, he'll quickly tell you to gird up, you know, and, um, be patient. You know, um, this is an opportunity. Uh, this is a growth moment, a growth opportunity for us. So we have just had so many growth opportunities through all of what we were experiencing mm-hmm. that I think it gave us the fortitude to keep going. And that's what we are so excited about sharing in this book, because, um, you know, it's one thing to draw from the stories in the Bible, uh, Angela, but it is another thing when someone living and breathing in our time, Mm -hmm. and you can extract from the miracles that God has performed for them, then it just, in in your living moment, you can say, wow, God, if God did it for them, Mm -hmm. and that's what we're really excited about in, in being able to show others, yes, maybe, maybe our issue of blood, as they say was incarceration but everybody's got an issue of blood absolutely so it doesn't matter what it is addiction um you know financial crises or health poor health it just doesn't matter what it is we all are going through something um but we have to trust god because that's where god is if we did it for ourselves Yeah. That's what I call uh ego uh Angela is that when it's an acronym it's when you ease God out. Ooh. And when you ease God out boy beware. <laughs> <laughs> I love your acronyms. You have one in the movie as well when you first um, <laughs> there with your family you have an acronym for love. What you just shared is so it's so powerful for so many reasons. I may not have walked through your story. You haven't walked through mine, but what you're able to do is step back and say I'm not going to choose bitterness. I'm not going to choose resentment toward God. I'm going to say, this is an opportunity for God's glory to be on display for now you to both use your voices, not only for your lives to matter, but to advocate for others. Every life matters for the dignity of human life. And so we have those choices. We we don't always control what happens to us, but we control how we're going to respond and react to those. And so the, what you just said is such a powerful universal message for every single one of us 
to hear. And I want them to get a copy of your new book, see the film time. And then the new book is the untold story of the love that held us together when incarceration kept us apart. I want to ask you about something that as I dug a little bit deeper, you did at one point actually divorce when you were in this process and were remarried. So walk us through that moment, because I think we need to see that. I mean, this is incredible resilience on both of your parts. And you both took some very tangible steps, intentional things that happened at that lower point in both of your journeys. Maybe a Fox, I'll turn it to you. And then Rob, to just share how you turned that around and saw the reconciliation in your marriage. Well, we were probably 13 years in mm. and that is over a decade and no sight of an end, no light at mm. all. You're really like just not even a glimmer of hope uh, anywhere. And um, and so, I, you know, after much consideration and struggle, it was one of the hardest decisions in my life. I did what I consider to be tear up our paperwork. Right. Um, but Rob, on the other hand, who, who God would happen to have in a marriage and family counseling course oh, wow. during our greatest struggle in our marriage. Right. Hey, God. Good. Yes, he is. <laughs> he would way say, like that, doesn't he? Right. right. He would say to me, um, you know, you tore up the paperwork, but that doesn't mean anything. Fox, I am your husband. Mm. There is no other man for you but me. And what God has put together, we will not be able to put us under. And so even after the, the 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 dissolution of our marriage, my commitment to him never stopped. I'm still visiting. I'm still um, mm. sending money, taking the phone calls, taking the children down to see him. Um but the way in which we were operating was different. And um, so just through those moments, we I, it gave me a chance to step back and understand and say, yeah, I thought about trying to do something different. But at the end of the day, this is my family. Right. I had one sister that was a member of my church, one uh, lady that was a member of my church, um, Mrs. Lester. And she would say to me, she was the only person that consulted me on my marriage. She was the only positive energy that I had around me. Wow. You know, um, my family was in my ear. Oh, stop dragging those children down there. Why haven't you moved on yet? You mm -hmm. still there? And, and this sister, Sister Lester, she would say, um, Fox, Mm. I don't care. That's your husband. And I'm like, but everything it means to have a husband. I don't have, I don't have protection. I don't have support. I don't, I don't, I don't. And she says, Fox, that's all fine. I get it. But that's still your husband. Mm -hmm. That's your family, Fox. And then, you know, so just struggling with that, but then really coming to an understand that the institution of family is bigger than any individual member and their needs. Wow. It is about a bigger collective, a bigger construct that God has given us when God gave us family. God gave us family before God gave us the church. Mm. And so Rob would say to me, um, Fox, you know, there are a lot of people counting on us to make it. Right. We can understand what our demonstrations of love do in our world. It's more than just our personal stuff. But when other human beings get to bask in the energy of what God has put together, it blesses us all. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, it was him reminding me that what we were doing was just bigger than he and I. So he said, you need to go and put your big girl drawers <laughs> on and come on here. 
<laughs> so there are families in this prison counting on us to make it. Mm-hmm. And uh and 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 he was right because other families would refer to us, Angela, as the Barack Obama and Michelle of prison. Now I know Barack and Michelle probably don't want to know that they was compared to a whole couple <laughs> in, in the prison. But just that level of regard for what we were striving to do and the demonstration that we were striving to put forth. And I also understood that in that time when I call myself pulling away from my union with Rob, my eldest son starts acting out. Now, my eldest son had always been my largest supporter, my teammate. And now all of a sudden, I'm starting to get resistance and contention from my number one star on this journey. And so it just showed me that my family was my sanctuary. And even though it was an incarcerated family, Angela, it was still mine. And I could look at my family and compare it to many of the other free families that got to sleep together and eat together and play together and and vacation together. And I could still see that we had more joy and love and gratitude for what we had than most folks who were together every day. And so I just had to give reverence to God for what I had, even if it wasn't like I wanted it to be. Wow. That's so powerful. And when we when I got myself back in alignment, Angela, do you know everything else started opening up for us? And so if I would not have honored God's word and followed God's commandments, then there's no way that we would be on the other side of this in the magnitude of God's glory like we are. I'm talking about walking out of the prison (laughs) gates of Angola, the the bloodiest prison in the world. And the next thing you know, the red you see is the red carpet at the most exclusive Oscars ever. (laughs) Wow. That's an only God story. Rob, what are your thoughts as you hear her say and and share her heart like that? Probably um, the thing that came to me when she announced that she was um, that she was filing for divorce. Mm. In that moment, the uh, the words that came to me is that I have learned that whatsoever state I be in, that which to be content. Mm. Uh, Not that I was satisfied with her choice or her decision to do such, but I know that it is in um, that it is um, in those moments that um that we have to trust. I mean, we have to, it's a, it's an act of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to trust that what God had truly put together that she nor I, nor the system of Louisiana's criminal justice system, yes. uh, none of that was going to break us up because I knew that God had already spoken. <laughs> um, but as she made mention, uh, I was in a uh, marriage and family counseling uh, course at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just so happened, no sooner than those words came to me, uh, we were uh, talking yet again about Paul mm-hmm. and uh, Paul had had he had a, a thing or two to say about contentment. And he was saying that, you know, when it comes to true contentment, it is in the worst of circumstances that true contentment is uh, really tested. That's so true. it was in that moment that our relationship was being tested. But I walked into knowing that we were going to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, again, uh, true to his word, uh, scripture being true to its word. Mm. Uh, and um, us being true to one another, yeah. uh, just as, um, you know, we had found each other back to one another uh, from the 10 years on again, off again from 1987, when we first met one another to 1997, when we uh, exchanged nuptials and took each other's hand in marriage, we had always found our way back to each other, no matter what the day, no matter what the night, no matter what the circumstances. So this was going to be no different. And uh Truly, we had found our way back to one another. We found our way back to one another in a way that has um, been different than any other way that we have ever 
um, been reunited before. This time it was with a level of fortitude and um, and stick to it. It was kind of like, I just give up. I'm just not going <laughs> to leave no more because... It won't, it's not going to work anyway. Yeah, it's just not going to work anyway. So I quit. I'm just going to stay. Well, I love how both of you kind of spurred each other on. When one of you was in a low place, the other was, nope, we're not going to quit. In fact, there was a moment, Fox, that you said, uh, you were looking, you, you, you talked in the film about starting a year and saying, maybe this is going to be the year. You just had to almost set your mind that this could, this is going to be the year. And I said out loud, wow, they just never gave up on hope. I said that. And then you, somebody said that just a minute or two later in the film. Then you walk out with a shirt that says never give up. Okay. So, I mean, this kind of. Uh, this got to hear of, about that shirt, Angela. I'd love to hear that story because that's that, such a pervasive theme of holding on to hope in the middle of so much, which every person listening can can that resonate you're going through something how long is this going to be why haven't you received the answer whatever the situation might be a cancer diagnosis a marriage a financial strain but to hold on to hope of who god is in the middle of it tell me that story and then i want to ask one last question before i let you both go today that um that quote came the the quote on the shirt came while uh maybe about 10 12 years into um into my incarceration, I was taking a, a graphic arts and communications course, and we were uh, having a class on messaging. And uh, T-shirts uh, serve as uh, walking billboards, is what uh, is what our instructor was talking uh, was saying to us. And in it, we were strapped with the responsibility of coming to class and creating messaging um, for a billboard, a shirt, or whatever it is that we were going to, you know, place the uh, words on. And it was in that moment that it served as a uh, a declaration to me that although I was going through what I was going through, had no answers, no clear pathways to freedom. Uh, but it was in that moment that I was not only making a declaration to myself, but mm-hmm. also uh, we had started on and about that same time. Fox and I had started um, looking to raise uh, awareness about the children of incarcerated parents. And hence, we started doing marathons. Fox was doing seven marathons uh, around the country. And simultaneously, I was doing marathons inside of the prison that I was organizing there. But we uh, seven was uh, significant uh, for the number of times that a child is likely to uh, wind up in prison themselves as a result of having a parent there. So the seven marathons were to, you know, were symbolic of that. And the very first one uh, that we had pulled together was one that I pulled together that was a never give up. But what it allowed me to do was to be able to create t-shirts for men inside of the prison. So every day that they walked through the prison with these t-shirts on, it was a reminder to myself and to others to never give up. I packaged that one t-shirt that I had made for myself. And I said that the day that I walk out of this prison, this is the t-shirt that I'll wear. And boy, when things that came around and God had showed up in our lives, I remember strapping on that T-shirt and I had it. It was fitting just so. And boy, I walked out of there just as proud. Oh. And I boy, look at God. Wow. <laughs> it, it, it's a moment. And even just to see you say it. And what I'm watching, if you're watching this, your countenance, both of you just exude not only resilience and determination, but joy. There's so much joy. I'm thinking of the three Hebrew children that were 
thrown in the fiery furnace. And it says when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Their hair didn't even smell like smoke. And that's what, I mean, that's what I see when I, because you both could be so bitter and, and you have, and you, you rightfully so advocate, but you do it from a posture that says, God, you are good. I trust you. Even when things are not just, and things are not fair. And, and I just continue to ask God to give you so much favor and open doors because everyone needs your story. Everyone, you really motive, you challenge me and I'm getting emotional. You challenge me to love my husband Mm -hmm. in, in, in more meaningful ways. Cause I think sometimes we just take things for granted and, and this love story that you both have first, the way you continue to love God when you could have given up on him. He never gave up on, he never gives up on any of us and you didn't give up on each other. It's such a beautiful story. And I know I have to let you go, but I just want to ask you both one or both of you could speak to this. You advocate for incarcerated families. You've mentioned that for the children. What is it that you want our listening audience to know? It's a broken system. You, you work through NOLA, your, your vision of changing lives and laws through love for those of us that maybe if if there's one or two things you could say to us or something we could do beyond prayer, what would that be for us? Um, When Rob came home, we started a ministry called Rich Family Ministries. And one of our initiatives is called Participatory Defense um, because we understood when we walked out of those gates that to be free is to free others. Um, There were countless other families just like our own that, that didn't deserve the amount of time that they got. Not that they were innocent, but that they didn't deserve the the repercussions that came. Um, And so um, supporting the work that we do, we're doing, we're one hub of 40 hubs across the country. Wow. Website is pdmnola.org. We judge our success by how much time we save someone in prison versus how much time they set, they spend in prison. And to us, that is how we reduce harm. Our society does not fare well when we are destroying families, when we yes. are tearing families apart because our families are the, are the core of our communities. That's right. So if we're wondering why our communities are in disarray, it's because our families are dis- in disarray. And so we work out of New Orleans. And if you know anything about New Orleans, we've got the highest prison population in the world per capita wow. coming out. New Orleans. Louisiana leads the world and New Orleans leads Louisiana. So the work that we're doing here through pdmnola.org is an extremely important work. So from volunteers to donations, we are a 501c3. Um, being able to put this story in the hands of others that are incarcerated. Yes. I love ones that are behind um, the doors. One of our goals is because if I know that I didn't have time to read when I was on this journey, but Rob did, and he read everything, and whatever he read, he would come back and share it with me. He kept giving me hope about what our family can be past this experience because of what he's read. He read the story of Nelson and Winnie Mandela, and he kept saying to me, Fox, Winnie, you know, the anger consumed her and it tore them apart. It separated them. No matter how bad it gets, you've got to control your anger. Anger is wrath. 
And so I'm hopeful that we can take this book, Time, the Untold Story of the Love that Held Us Together when incarceration kept, kept us apart and put it into the hands of men and women that are serving time behind bars because they have time to read. They can see what happened for people that are just like them and then they can own it as their truth and know that if it's possible for Fox and Rob, it is possible for them and their love conquers all. That's right. What was your acronym you said at the end of the love? Love's only valid expression. I love it. Life's only valid expression. And time is something that we all have. We can either use it wisely. We can waste it. We can squander it, or we can make our lives matter by saying, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to serve God. I'm going to choose to keep him first. And I'm going to choose to love. And you both have been tremendously impactful in my life and in my family's life. We've just prayed so much blessing over you. I'm praying that every inmate uh, uh, help me with that. We talked about this prior to recording. I'm just going to use it a teaching moment. You would prefer that we eradicate that word inmate. Help me know a better way to say that because this is going to be a teaching moment for my listening audience. Think about it when you think about people that are on an airplane. If an airplane goes down, they count the people that are on the airplane as souls. Yes. Incarcerated souls, our citizens that are incarcerated. But to say incarcerated souls, we get to understand that we're human behind bars. It's one of God's children behind bars. And look at what God has done with some of his children behind bars. Hmm. Hmm. I was full of them. And we're so much more than a label that the world or society or culture tries to put on us. And and I I appreciate that message, but I'm praying that every incarcerated soul receive a copy of this book because it's powerful. And even those of us that are not behind bars need this message of love that withstands the test of time, that withstands insurmountable odds, that's resilient, that encourages each other when the other is feeling weak. So I thank you both. I thank you for uh, just the way you've persevered. Perseverance is long direction, long obedience in the same direction. And you just can persevere. (laughs) So thank you both. I I don't want to keep you, but I do want to pray over you. And I'm going to ask my listening audience, wherever you are, to just join me in prayer as you hear this. And we're going to pray for both of you for expanded territory and also for this book to reach literally the millions. Lord, I thank you so much for Fox and Rob, but God, as I listen, I know that this is your story. You are the author and the initiator of redemption and restoration and reconciliation. And that's your heart. So I thank you that we get the privilege of just cooperating with your heart to see people, men and women reconciled to you and then to each other. I thank you, God, that even in the face of gross injustice, you were able to show yourself strong. You continue to do that. And I pray for for this amazing couple, for their children, God, for their family, for the works of their hands, for the ministry you call them to do, for every assignment. I pray for favor. I pray for open doors. I pray that no weapon formed against them would prosper, that every tongue that would rise up against them, you should refute that this is their inheritance in you. I pray for every incarcerated soul soul to receive a copy of this book. I pray, Lord, for for you to continue to use their voices and their lives for the kingdom. That's what this is about, for your kingdom and for your glory. And I thank you for them. I thank you and I bless them. And I pray that your will would continue to be done in their lives as they serve you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladonadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.